What's up, everybody? This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez. This is the Art of Health podcast. We haven't talked in a while, and I'm just going to go right into this one. Uh, we can follow up a different time. I have a guest with me today, Mr. Tanner Guzzi. He's a men's style coach and basically a good friend and someone I've worked with the past year or so in improving my personal style. And the subject of men's fashion is always a contentious subject when you bring it up. And I figured, why not just have a conversation about it with someone who's an expert on it? So, Tanner, what's up? Hey, happy to be here, man. Always, uh, always excited to get a chance to talk. It's going to be fun to record this one. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, I guess to give, to give some context, backstory. So, I, I found you on Twitter like a roughly three, two and a half years ago. And this was right when I was like starting to get a little more successful with personal brand money-wise. I, well, I wanted to upgrade basically like my wardrobe. And it was funny because I was the guy that was classically for like basically all of my teens, 20s, I was that doofus that like wore cargo shorts, that wore super baggy jeans. My idea of style was just like you dressed up in like a collared shirt. Um, and I still, you know, like despite, you know, making a lot of like mistakes that way, I still did fine with women. Like I still got female tension. I wasn't like, well, there was, that was not a struggle. But I realized over the years that you're all tipped to like the people's perception of you when you see a man that's very well composed and put together and he has a sense that he knows how people perceive him, automatically people are very differential to that. Like we know that that's powerful, but then we never bridge the connection. I, I told us, I shared a story with my email list recently about a friend of mine when I was younger who was about my age now, his name was Justin and he was very well dressed. Um, and I was 20 when I met him, he was 30. And I was always amazed at how people responded to him since we were the same height. We probably were approximate on looks terms of how fit we were, et cetera. But he was way better dressed than all of us. Like, so we were all in our early twenties. He was 30 and like the shoes, shirt, everything was like kind of tailored. And it's funny because at the time I was like, man, this guy, like he, like he looks good. Like he's a handsome man. But then it took me like a decade to realize like, Oh, like if I had just, you know, gotten like a little better fitting shirt or cared about what shoes I wore, like I could have had that effect on people. And then, you know, to like bring it back to you, like finding your book, um, you know, the appearance of power, and then realizing like on this sort of subtextual level that we all are aware of style, fashion, appearance all the time. But for whatever reason, men today, we just massively discount it, you know, while also kind of being envious of it when we see it. And this that dissonance effect. So, I mean, but what is your background though? Like, how did you get into this, you know, so, so long ago? So, I've, I kind of organically fell into this. Um, it's something that, you know, I remember even when I was in elementary school and my mom would put, you know, she would dress me in what my parents bought me. And I remember chafing at that idea. Like I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. And I became a lot more sensitive to it when I was in about ninth grade. Uh, I had been pulled from a regular elementary school into a private school. So I had to do the whole uniform thing. Mm. And this was at the same time that I started really identifying with like the punk rock music scene and BMX bikes and snowboards and everything. So the very much like the antithesis of the prep uniform, it was this idea of, you know, green Liberty spikes and safety pins and everywhere else. And so for me, there was this identity crisis of, you know, this is how I have to look. This is how the people that I identify with, this is the way that they actually look. And I became really kind of aware of that, especially because, you know, I would be picked on for my uniform by the kids that I was friends with, or I would be picked on by the kids I went to school with because I would wear my uniform in a different way that I would try and make it look a little bit more punk rock. And so people would treat me differently. And my, my parents had a problem with my struggling with this identity and everything else. And so you know, it's uh, it always something that I've been aware of. And it wasn't until I was about 21, 22 that 
you know, I had been able to do the whole punk thing for years and realized that that wasn't helping me level up in the next progression of, you know, actually careers and dating and marriage and fatherhood and all these things that were actually goals for me. I still looked like I was some punk kid. Mm. And so I started to get more aware of the fact it's like, no, if I'm, if I'm going to be treated like an adult man, somebody who has credibility and authority and is respectable, I got to, I got to look like one of those instead of still looking like, you know, all I care about is what show I've been to or what's going on at the skate park next week. And so Hmm. as I became more aware of it, started to read about it more, it just became kind of a hobby of mine. And then that's when I started writing about it and it kind of just took off from there. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I, I remember classically, like when I was a kid, I was like, I don't even remember really being aware of even how I dressed until maybe middle school. But mm-hmm. I was like very utilitarian. Like I had that sort of like, you know, like what we call like the autist attitude now of like clothes are just for wearing clothes are not yeah. for appearance. Um, and I was just sort of very monochrome. The one thing I remember from high school that was funny to me is that I, yeah, I like I remember like we had, I had like where I grew up was very suburban. There was like a very generic sort of like standard suburban kid uniform mm-hmm. if you were a boy. You had like sort of like baggy-ish, but not too baggy pants. You had sneakers. You wore a t-shirt. And my big right rebellion in high school is that I started wearing like the tank top wife beater, which I basically have worn to this day, you know, casually even. But that was a big deal at my high school because that was sort of like a thug look. Oh, gotcha. And, and my high school was like, slow, where I went to school was slowly becoming more diverse. Where it's like, sort of like this very even 25, 25, 25, 25 split of like white, black, Asian, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started wearing like a white beard school because I've been like working out that summer and I was, you know, I was like all proud of muscles. Um, and I remember the teachers originally, like initially people were like, kind of like, that's kind of like a different look. It's kind of like, that's kind of edgy, but it became a trend within like six months. Like something, every guy at school that worked out, it was like, okay to wear a tank top. Gotcha. And, and that was kind of, that was my first sort of impression that, oh, like, like if you, like people will, like people follow trends. Like I was telling, like it was suddenly aware that. Like if you do something and it makes enough impact on people in like a positive sense, they'll notice it and they'll want to mimic it. Right. Especially if you're the kind of person that actually is what they aspire to be. Because if you're some geeky scrawny kid who's wearing a tank top and it makes you look even worse, then nobody's going to really, Oh, I'm going to throw on a wife beater. But if you're the kind of guy that's built in a way and these other guys want to become like that, then that's where those trends pick up their momentum. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so I mean that was a good example. Like fitness, not fitness, but like fashion. I realized there's a sense of aspiration to it. Absolutely. Like it rep- yeah. like represents community. And then it's interesting because when I was reading, like the appearance of power, that book really changed my mindset because I realized going back and looking at different subgroups and subcultures, again things that we take for granted of like how we think we're dressing and like we think we're making some sort of like statement on statement. Mm-hmm. Everyone dresses in a certain way to fit in with some kind of approximate social circle. You know, and, and even if you're not, even if like you're like a yeah, this is very like 1990s. So even, if you, even if you were a seen goth kid mm-hmm. trying very purposefully to stand out and be in contrast to everybody else, you're still following a goth style. Absolutely. You, like, you can't get away from style no matter how much you try to escape it. No. The only people who do are, I mean, they're homeless people. You know, the only people who truly don't care how they look, you know what they look like because they literally will put on anything that they can have that's available to them to protect them from the elements. But anybody else, we wear what we wear because of the signals that it sends to ourselves and the signals it sends to the people around us. So I want to talk about archetypes because that was like a big thing in the book. I've talked about archetypes a lot in the context of like psychology, but you talked about the archetypes in the, in the book and the context of sort of like roles that people play both professionally and personally. Like, like, could you just expand on that? I always yeah. want the guys to hear it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the big chapters, and this is one of the things that's kind of uh, really part of the backbone of the way that I teach guys about styles to help them understand that there's three style archetypes. And the big thing to be aware of with this is that most people, they treat style and especially fashion, which is a little bit more kind of external and flimsy and, and, you know, other people are telling you it's fashionable, but they treat it as basically that where it's, you know, it's the old, um, uh, it's the old thing from fight club where it's like, you're not your khakis where you can't buy an identity just because somebody else gives it to you. And I think as men, we're right to resent that idea that I can't go to the mall and buy an identity. Like it, it shouldn't be that way. You have to earn it. You have to, mm. you have to have it bestowed upon you. There's, there's some sort of merit and trial and something else that you have to get there to get it. So just going and buying an identity doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that clothing is devoid of identity. It doesn't mean that it's devoid of, of communication. Otherwise that conflation would never exist in the first place. So, the big thing to understand with with this idea of archetypes is that your clothing should reflect what your archetypal ratio, whether, you know, how you fit within these three archetypes is rather than I like this clothing, therefore I should change the way that I interact with the world in order to fit what that clothing is. And, now, now, not to interrupt you, but that's the big thing I realized like with guys when like you put on suits, mm-hmm. like, if, like I've yes. seen, it's funny because yes. we all know this, like a guy puts on a suit you have to get dressed up for a wedding or whatever, you know, like social function and everybody acts a little bit differently. And somehow you're a little more confident. You know, that if you go out and like normal public people are going to look at you and like, and you adopt the confidence of the suit, mm-hmm. you know, like this by way of having your appearance more together, it's like, Oh, like I'm going to, you know, make myself sort of more presentable, more debonair, more suave, whatever. But then you take it off and then somehow that goes away. Right. Right. Because the suit is a universal symbol. Still, it's becoming more and more, or I should say less and less so. You know, when we were in a homogenous culture 100 years ago, the West was all pretty much the same. The suit was a symbol of status and wealth and power and everything else. And most men, when they wanted to look respectable and presentable, they would wear suits. But today, as things get increasingly more diverse culturally in every other subjective standard, then suits become less and less powerful. But we're not so far removed from it that you don't automatically just turn on a little bit more when you put one on. And especially when you wear one in the right context. Because if you show up to the gym in a suit, you're not going to feel like you're on top of your game. You're going to feel like an idiot. And it's going to actually affect you negatively as far as how well you perform and how well you carry yourself, your confidence levels and everything else. But if you're going out after a funeral or if you were going to a job interview or something else, it's going to turn up that confidence even more. Mm. So going back to the archetypes though, I know I cut you off there. What, no, what no are, worries. You're yeah, good. What are the three archetypes? So the three archetypes are rugged, refined, and rakish. And the way that these break down, again, is that you need to base them off of the way in which you interact with the world. So for rugged men, that's pretty easy to visualize. Those are guys who primarily interact with the world physically. So you can think of like blue collar workers, cowboys, lumberjacks, guys who are tinkers that we, you know, they do stuff with their hands and they enjoy the outdoors. They enjoy being out in nature or inter- interacting with the world physically. There's an aesthetic that goes with that and it's not a specific uniform but there are certain things that your clothing has to be more functional than than anything else and there's all these other things that are intertwined with that so that's the first one the second one is refined and this is where this idea of the suit comes in the refined archetype is guys who get the world of of social cohesion they understand that the more connected you are the better your networks the more money the more social influence all these other things have then largely you end up being more successful in life and so these are the guys who get all those rules and they do their best to thrive and succeed by playing according to those rules 
And then the third archetype is rakish, which these are the guys who get the rules just as much as the refined guys, but rather than thriving by playing with them, they thrive by rebelling and by breaking them. So rather than guys, than guys being all suited up, this is where you get rebels and rock stars and outlaws and iconoclasts and everything else. These are the guys to yeah, enjoy being a counterculture going against the grain. And, and that's where that comes from. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I, remember, I remember reading that. And that was interesting for me because obviously I got long hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's like one of my defining features. And like it, it suits like what I realize is sort of like a rakish archetype. Absolutely. Yeah, Very much like, part of your personal brand. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I've found this over the years where like, like what I would say basically like are like men who are very rugged blue collar, there's an, there's an aversion to long hair at times. Like why, why would you have long hair? It's, it's not functional, obviously. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have any utility to it. It's, it's, it's for looks. It has an appearance of like, yeah, I, I always want long hair because I liked it. Mm-hmm. I also, as a young kid, I identified with, Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. and this sort of like warrior slash rakish archetype of someone that was a warrior but was a rebel. He wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a right. guy in the uniform. He was a guy that adorned himself. He was muscular. He was rebelling against like the system, uh, you know, fighting, you know, fighting villainy. And like, it was interesting because I read the book. I'm like, you know, that like as, as a kid, like I was three or four or five, like that made a massive impact. I'm like, I want to be, I want to be like Conan. I want to, look like that. I want to have that kind of sort of like even demeanor personality. Right. And I think to a degree I fulfilled it, but getting older and becoming an adult and having long hair, I'd always have guys or even like I have men and women, they make certain assumptions like, Oh, you must be, are, are you a rock star? Are you, are, are you, are, so like, are you, you must, you gotta be, you gotta be a musician. Do you play an instrument? Uh-huh. You, you perform in a band. And I'm like, why, why are you asking this? <laughs> I realize it's just like the long hair. Right. There's this general, like I just realized I had this general disregard for, you know, fashion in such a way they end up looking almost like somewhat rebellious. It's like, oh, they must think I'm like a musician, somebody that's, you know, like rage against the system. But like I was fulfilling a look without realizing it. Right. And again, you're doing that to an extent because you have other things going for you, your own, your own confidence, your physique, your everything else that comes with that, that it doesn't just look like somebody who's given up because clothing is always a, it's a symptom of status right? The higher status you are, then the more rakish and the more avant-garde and the crazier you can be with your clothing and get away with it and have people. I mean, that's the story of the emperor's new clothes. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's not a story about indecent exposure and some dude being arrested for exposing himself to children is because it's the emperor. If it were some random guy on the street, then it's a totally different story, right? And so clothing is very intertwined with this idea of status and things that we are biologically determined to see as signs of high status, a good physique, strong body language that denotes confidence, that kind of posture, your ability to demonstrate confidence through other things, then usually your clothing can help either contribute to that or it can negate that. But you got a lot more wiggle room to play around with when you were a high status guy, as opposed to somebody who's at the bottom of that spectrum and thinks, well, I'm going to dress like a rock star. And if that's the only thing you've got going for you, it, it doesn't work out at all. In fact, one of the most common things that I see is the guys who get really into menswear and men's suiting there. I call them gentle dorks because that's really what these guys are is they are these these loser guys who unfortunately don't have anything really going for them. They don't take care of themselves physically. They don't have social skills. They really are at the bottom of this hierarchy and they think that they can improve themselves and override all those other factors by dressing in a suit because like we already talked about a few minutes ago, a suit levels you up. But because that's the only thing that they have going for them, they look like they're cosplaying and it actually throws into stark contrast how bad these other skills are or how bad their presentation or their confidence or everything else is as opposed to dragging them up to the level that they think it's pulling them up to. 
you know, what's interesting about this is I've seen a parallelism with like the gentle dork kind of stereotype you described. Because I've met those guys, especially coming from the dance world, mm-hmm. where it, it, the pursuit of the arts, so to speak, if you can, if some people that get into music, who get into performance, get into acting, like arts and that, that sort of, um, those sort of like what would classically called sort of like those liberal creative arts, they, have a, they do have a certain status to them. Because that's someone who's obviously very into appearances, who's very into putting on a show. And you'll, you'll meet people with very crazy styles you know, within those communities. But then you also meet people who want to sort of be a part of the community, per se, or maybe they're at a very low level in it. And they try to sort of peacock, and it comes across as just a very try-hard. Mm-hmm. But the, the parallelism I've also seen is with the fitness community, specifically the bodybuilders, specifically, where yeah, I've, met this, I've had this happen many, many, many times. I'll meet guys, they're like a high-level bodybuilder, pro bodybuilder. They're, they're huge. Obviously, they're massively muscular. Right. They, they have no social skills. And the muscles are literally sort of a replacement of, okay, I don't really know how to interact with people and be social and be charming, but if I can get people to look at me, and that by, you know, my muscles will always carry authority on some right. or another, then I can sort of use that as a substitution. You know, and muscle culture has its own styles of guys where they'll wear like the super skin tight sort of like Under Armour shirts as, as right. regular as regular day wear, you know, right? Or like or, or wearing a tank top, you know, every, you know, um, you know, out everywhere, um, or for sort of purposely dressing in a way to like to show off even more. So like, look how big I am, right? Or go, hey, you know, I spend all the time in the gym. Yeah, or, but then you go to talk to them, and then they they kind of shrink. And I, I mean, I've had this happen, which is always hysterical to me. Since I'm over six feet tall, I've met guys who are way bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they're like five ten and two like two eighty, just ridiculously sized. But they'll see me, and we'll be in an environment, you know, fitness community, whatever. And they'll they'll like, you know, like the, the guy nudge, like, "Hey, man, like, man, it must be great to be tall." I'm like, <laughs> it, it must be great to be as wide as the fridge. Like, right. You know, like I would, and like they even like, you know, I've had them say that. Like, I mean, I had friends express this, man. I wish I was taller. I'm like, bro, you're like five nine and like two seventy. You got like five mm-hmm. percent body fat. Like, what are you insecure about? Yep. I just had one of my clients do that where he's very successful within the fitness industry. I'm not going to out him as far as saying who he is, but he, he's doing really well with all of his stuff. You know, he's, he's living a very successful life by any, especially like by any sort of hedonistic standard as far as, you know, out drinking every weekend, great physique. He's got a lot of girls and all this other stuff. And he was asking me about uh, a certain type of shoe that makes him look a little bit taller. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You're 5'10". Like, that's not even a problem, dude. Like, most guys would kill for your physique and everything else. Like, uh-huh. why Why are you worried about looking taller? Yeah, but you're right. We, we get we get into – and I think one of the big problems that this illustrates is, one, there's always – you're always chasing happiness in something else. But, two, specifically within that gym culture, within the gentle dorks, within the art community or anything else, is it creates this kind of one-dimensionality mm-hmm. of – this is my this is my only strength is I got really big muscles and so everything else has to represent that and signify that and whereas most guys would actually be you know this is one of the things that you and I worked on is obviously your physique is there that's not something that you have to wear skin tight clothing for people to be aware of and so if we can add to that by improving your style and even do it in a way that it makes it so that there's kind of a nod to your physique as opposed to you're blaring it through a megaphone that it's like, Hey, I work out. I go to the gym. Then all of a sudden people realize that it's like, yes, he's in great shape. And Oh, he doesn't really care as much about projecting it as most guys who are in great shape, which means he's probably got a bunch of other good things going for him too. Instead of that being his one and only strength. Okay, let's see if I can say this correctly since I was, I was thinking about this earlier before I talked to you. 
I realize this with, with women and with men with like higher status social circles, people, people are not sort of like, women are not label chasers, so to speak, when they look at men who are well-dressed. It's when they see a well-dressed man, it's a recognition of somebody who is aware of one, the effect he has on people, but two, there's a sort of like deeper meta level to it. That if you're aware of the image you project, you must have some sense of authority or power or prestige or interaction where you know how to sort of command the world at large. I realize, I mean, I think I got this correctly, but like, it's sort of like the idea behind like, like why do women love a guy in a uniform per se? Like part of the idea of a uniform, like a military uniform, like, yes, it can make a guy look good, but if you're in a uniform, if you're in a uniform you must have some authority. Right. Or maybe you're in a position of authority. Right. And then I, I thought back to like when I was younger, like in, you know, when I was around 20, 20, 22, going out with my buddy Justin, and he was always like the alpha leader of the group just because he was the oldest, like he was the best dressed. And women were always drawn to him, not just because he was attractive looking, but they saw that he was sort of the center of the male attention. Which that, and that's always fascinating to me because I've realized like that's something I picked up on my early 20s. If you go out with a group of guys and you're having fun together and women see like those guys look fun versus being sort of like the, like the scaredy cat group of guys. Like, well, we all know what that looks like. Right. It's like the, 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 there's a fun group of guys, there's a scaredy cat group of guys. And whoever is the big cat and like the fun cat, fun guy group, that is that guy's going to get the most attention. Yep. So like, like I, I mean, to like sort of like bring, try to bring it back, but like that, that was just like a big, it, that clicked for me in such a way because, you know, from, like I said, for most of my 20s, I would dress for like super baggy jeans, mm-hmm. wear a wife beater, and wear like combat boot looking shoes. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I got a really awesome, my upper body's like, you know, wide. I'm like, this is a good style. And like, it, lo- <laughs> it looks ridiculous in retrospect, but you know, I remember when I saw you like last year, 21 con where I had like jeans that actually fit like actually like well-fitting jeans, mm-hmm. like nicer shoes, shirts that were just like more tailored looking. Right. And it looked so much better. And then even going out and like just meeting people interacting, the reaction from people was such a more composed, like interested reaction versus sort of like this, like very 50, 50 reaction. I would get oftentimes when I was younger of like, this guy's either really full of himself or he just doesn't give a shit how he looks. And it's either one or the other or both. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Because there's what it really comes down to is that there is a level of self-awareness and also a level of kind of social fluency that mm. that is that is subconsciously communicated within that that it's like this guy gets it and he gets it well enough to not only understand how it affects him but he gets it well enough to understand how it affects the people around him and then not only that but he can execute on all of that relatively effortlessly because he's not just the guy who's the clothing guy, but his physique is there. He's confident. He's able to carry a conversation. And so what you're communicating again is this mastery or this status. It's like, I can kind of check a bunch of these boxes instead of just one or two that I overly rely on. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I mean that, that, I mean, just to try to sum, summarize it since I've been like trying to ramble through my own thoughts. Like when we talk about masculinity being competency, mm-hmm. good style represents competency yes 100 percent. it's never and most guys get caught up in this where they think that it's aesthetics driven which is true like you do look better if you wear colors that are good on you or you wear patterns that are proportionate for your build yes that matters but that's like 10 percent. 90 percent is really about what you're communicating and if you can communicate competency 
that's when your style is a win. Now, most people and the way that the West used to be was competency was communicated through formality, which is why, again, we get this default of formal clothes, the suit is good, casual clothes are bad, but that's not always the case. It's a conflation of value. So just because something is more formal does not mean that it communicates more competency. Competency is the goal, not formality. Well said. Very, very well said. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, like, again, I, keep, I, you know, I keep going back to that point, but like, that was just like, what's amazing to me since I was expecting like a style kind of book. When I originally found, like, found you and like, uh, there's another guy, well-built style. Like uh -huh. a lot of what I was expecting was like, all right, well, what's like fashionable clothes to wear? And then as you get into it, like, I realized like, oh, wow. Like I, yeah, I'm thinking about it from an aesthetic standpoint. Well, what, mm -hmm. what's, what looks good? Like what are, what are shoes that are popular? Um, and then when you actually learn about, okay, about like, you know, like color, you know, like color and contrast, you know, wearing stuff that fits the competency factor of like, okay, well, you know, what's your archetype? What are you trying to convey? What are you trying to communicate? That took it to a whole different level. And actually it made selecting the clothing itself like quite straightforward. Yep. It's, it's not an idea. I think for, I realize for a lot of guys, when they hear style fashion, they automatically think that you're going to be told like, you have to buy these clothes mm -hmm. and like wear this, don't wear that. It's like almost similar to how women treat it oftentimes, right? right. Like clothes shopping. But like, I mean, you could, and I don't, I, I'm not going to speak to female style since, you know, that's a whole different area. Whole so, different beast. Whole, whole different beast. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a rabbit hole. But I mean, like, so like the way I realized, like the way I thought of clothing was the way sort of women think of clothing. Yeah, like what's fashionable, what's trendy, what's hot, what do I need to buy? So there's an automatic turnoff. These we automatically assume, you know, like a, you know, pre-enlightenment, I could say. It's like, oh, well, it's a very feminine subject. Right. So that's, that's where guys get the, the stereotype. Of, oh, talking about clothing's gay. Like, yeah. well, why are we talking about clothes? Yep. Yeah, because it is there's that that association, especially like post boomer generation, that because women are the ones who now within our culture primarily talk about it, that it's only women or gay dudes who are into it, which historically is totally like we're in a weird mm. bubble in history where men think that not caring is somehow the most masculine thing to do. And that was one of my favorite <laughs> things to do as I was writing the book was study these different cultures and these different points in history where it's like, go tell Go tell the Spartans in their red cloaks that they're that they're they don't care about appearance or that makes them less masculine. Or go tell the Jaguar and the Eagle Warriors of Aztec civilization that they're stupid or that they're gay because they they care about the way that they look. Like that whole idea that we've experienced for the last forty years is so ridiculous and it's so limited to our space that I always laugh when guys bring it up because they don't even realize it's like a you know it's the cliche but it's like a fish not realizing it's wet and they don't even realize that that attitude is such a product of just this one minute time in history within this very specific culture that it's ridiculous to say that men don't care about how they dress. Yeah, I said on Twitter a few weeks back, it, it seemed to me, I was thinking about it like on a deeper level, that it's sort of like a consequence, I think, of almost like postmodernism. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a sensibility that like identity is relative, sexuality is relative, masculinity is relative, femininity is relative. So nothing has any real substance to it. Therefore, nothing can be characterized by anything. Right. So this idea of like that being a man is sort of this like, attitude of apathy towards your appearance and that you wear this very generic like almost drone like outfit that makes you indistinguishable from anyone else from any other guy yep. um like you know what about that exactly is sort of like strong idolized aspiration like it's, it's not it's not, not at all like but we've been indoctrinated with it like we've been indoctrinated with it yeah well and what's so funny and you know we've seen this on twitter just within the last week is you've seen guys like cernovich and jack probasek and other guys who are going after kind of the cult of cargo shorts like that's mm -hmm. the the staple of masculinity and 
it's so funny to watch these guys talk out of both sides of their mouth where out of one side, it's real men don't care how they look. And out of the other side, it's let me spend the next seven hours arguing with somebody on Twitter about why cargo shorts are a great aesthetic decision. It's like, you can't have it both ways. You either don't care and you wear cargo shorts and you don't engage in the conversation or you realize that you do care and you're really (laughs) invested emotionally in your cargo shorts. And for some reason that matters to you. And it is a symbol of masculinity to you, but these guys are just too, they're too obtuse to understand that those are mutually exclusive ideas. <laughs> well, you know, the, thing, the funny thing about cargo shorts is that if you're actually wearing them functionally, it's very like it's a rugged look. It's designed for obviously like very much outdoors stuff. Like I've worn cargo shorts camping, exactly climbing, whatever. But you know how it became like a standardized outfit just to wear. I guess we, you know it's cheap. Like it, I have a buddy of mine his name's Swede Burns. Um, he, he's a powerlifter, massive guy, weighs 290. He's my height, 6'2", 290. Um, like five, yeah, 500 pound bench press, like just like tatted up. And like, and him and I, um, we actually have the same birthday too, funny enough. Uh, he's on uh, Instagram, if anyone wants to look him up. But he always wears cargo shorts. Mm-hmm. But he has a look, like Swede, like he's got tattoos, he's got a hat, he has like, he's a beard, he's almost, almost pirate-like, sinister looking. Gotcha. He's obviously, he's a big guy. He's like very intense personality-wise. Um, and like, I mean, his look, like it works for him very well, but he's like, like he is a rebel. He is very rakish and this by way of manner appearance. And he's very distinguished. But when you talk to him, he has a lot of depth to him. He's mm-hmm. very intelligent. So it's not just like, it's not a lazy look in the sensibility of like, I'm just going to put on shorts and, uh, you know, and a shirt and then put on, uh, you know, the, the flip flops. Right. And now, now I don't have to worry about anything. You know? Right. And there's a big difference, and that's the that, and again, that's the thing that's so funny about the idea that and one. I know I piss off a lot of guys who are on my mailing list or who reach out on Twitter where they're like, "What do you think about this?" It's like, "Well, what do you think about cargo shorts?" And it's like, "Well, the answer is the same for everything. It depends on the context and it depends on the person." Mm-hmm. Because yes, there are people, and they can find themselves based on who they are and the situations in which they find themselves, in which cargo shorts are absolutely the best circumstance. But for 99% of the population. Cargo shorts are, my wife was shopping at Walmart and just happened to pick up something that looked like it was my size and that's what I'm wearing every day for the rest of my life. There is nothing inherently masculine about that approach to clothing. It's very passive. It's very much letting somebody else determine what you communicate to the world. That's the same thing as having your wife say, these are words that you're allowed to say and that you're not allowed to say. <laughs> Where I'm like, your wife dresses you like a dork so you won't cheat. Yeah, it's let everybody it's make guarding. Yeah, it's to let everybody know that my husband is geeky, doesn't care about how he looks, is not competitive, um, and don't worry. Like, and if I, you know, that's always the other joke too. Like when you in a relationship, like your wife gets you fat. Uh huh. So I got him fat, and he's poorly dressed. Now you can't cheat. Exactly. <laughs> Where is he going? <laughs> Where are you going? Who's exactly. gonna want you? Exactly. You know, I, I've heard women say that to men. Like, who would want you? Like, who would put up with you? Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. And what's so sad is that these men allow that to happen to them because they think that marriage is like, I have arrived or I'm in a relationship, I've arrived. And therefore, we're committed and I don't have to do any. And obviously, women do the same thing too. But the idea that you don't have to continue to aspire and build yourself and push for more and become a better version of yourself because somebody else has now validated you and decided they want to be with you in the long term, like that is the dumbest finish line ever. (laughs) 
And so the fact that we allow that to be a finish line for our aesthetics, for our physique, for our education, for our ambitions and everything like I, it just blows my mind that that has become what it is in the West is a woman validated me and wants to be with me. I can stop caring now. I mean, the, the female equivalent, since someone asked me this on Twitter, like, well, what's the female equivalent of cargo shorts? I'm like, I mean, the attitude, I'm like, it's probably like the mom who just wears sweatpants. Yeah, like, absolutely. We've all, we've all seen that. Sweatpants and a ponytail, yeah, or yeah. even wear sweatpants and just short mom hair. Yeah, the, like the mom haircut. Like, we've mm-hmm. all, if you grew up in a suburban community, you've seen that, like the women, they get married. And I mean, I've had female clients that have like been very almost like forthright about this. Like, they need to be skinny for their wedding. Mm-hmm. And this is the best. This is like the best and hottest I'm ever going to look. And then like, <laughs> that's then so sad. That's so depressing. I know, right? And then it's like, then I don't uh. worry about it. I'm like, oh my God, your poor husband. <laughs> like, but the husband has like the same attitude. Right. It's like the mom outfit and the dad outfit. The mom outfit's like the baggy sweats, this, the shirt that just got pulled out of the laundry. Yep. Hair, like ponytail hair and like, you know, like poorly drawn eyeliner. Yep. And then you got like the dad outfit. And then you're like, then you're both are, you know, being mediocre together. Right. Yeah. And if they go on a date, then he'll throw on a polo shirt instead of, instead of a t-shirt with a captain america shield on it and she'll actually put a little bit more time into her uh into her makeup and put on a different pair of shoes and there you go that's that's your aspiration it's no (laughs) wonder people resent that idea (laughs) (laughs) oh oh god the baggy sweatpants i mean i mean on the on the style front like since i you've worked with a lot of guys i I mean i've I've recommended your program now like in the past week a lot the number gentlemen i'm like you should probably do this since yeah, especially if you're trying to like upgrade yourself, you know, like from mm-hmm. just the standpoint of like, how, how can I be more of a man? Like, which, what is it? Like someone asked me that question today, like what is if what at 30, like what should a man have together? And like one of the things I said was like, you should have a sense of style. Like you, you should have established that over like your de- over like the last decade. Yeah. I mean, for, for the guys that you work with, like what are their biggest struggles in regards to just getting themselves together this way? Uh, the biggest things are usually that they come from one that that belief that all I needed to do was dress more formally. So I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. And I thought that by putting on slacks and a button up shirt that all of a sudden I would have good style. And now I've wasted thousands of dollars over a decade of trying that. And I really don't feel any better. And it, you know, people don't treat me any differently. And so it's getting them out of that mentality mm-hmm. and helping them understand that it doesn't have to be more formal, especially because a lot of the guys that I work with are, like software engineers or guy who guys who are in like the tech space. And, and I'm sorry, but if you work in Silicon Valley and you walk in wearing a suit, you're an idiot. Like you're not going to work well in that environment. If you think that I'm going to, I'm going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or I'm going to raise my stay in my status at Google or at Twitter or Adobe or something else. If I show up in a suit, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, so helping them understand again, that formality is not always the best thing, but then too, this, the real sad thing is that, it is really just not a developed skill set. And again, if you think about it as this idea of communication, and imagine if we didn't go to school to learn how to speak properly, to learn how to write, to learn how to read, and you were just kind of expected to get that as you go. I mean, really, most guys are just like sartorially illiterate. They've never been taught anything. They've just been able to kind of pick up on what is passable through their dads who had bad attitudes about it or from their friends who had bad attitudes about it. And so it's more ignorance than just like their, their bad habits that I have to correct. These guys, they don't even know what they don't know for the majority of them. Huh, that, that's interesting. Because my dad, like he has, I love my father, but he's had this like terrible style. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, my mom, like it's, it's funny. There are some women where they will make an effort to like try to dress their husbands more attractive. Yeah. And this has been my mom's battle for years where she'll go through his closet every so often, especially, especially after he became a doctor. And she's like, Juan, like you've got to dress better. Um, 
and she, like he was very blue collar. Like, it, mm-hmm. and when he was younger, he like pounded concrete and did physical labor. So like his idea of style was like it was the polo shirt, right? And, and normal style was like the t-shirt from the marathon he ran, or you know when he like he was he was a high level handball player, so they all right. wore tank tops and athletic shorts. Um, but like yeah, watching my dad grow up, like I kind of mimicked his style sort of by default because I didn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. But his style was literally the dad style of a fifteen year old t-shirt from whatever some event I attended and like yes that 5k that the city put yeah, on like, <laughs> yeah like a five oh my god I, <laughs> I, 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 for years I always remember this like this is the child memory for years he did a like a sprint triathlon Carlsbad and he wore that shirt for probably two decades like Crazy. every week every week and it like it was faded and like god knows it was worn out but he kept wearing the same shirt he I mean he had hoodie he had stuff that was 10 like 10 15 20 years old yep and so my mom remember when he came him he, he became a doctor at 47 so it was like pretty late in life obviously but she went through and threw out like all of his clothing she's like this is all going this is all gone uh-huh and she went to men's warehouse and she bought him like a whole new wardrobe and like today he's like very well dressed but he also he'll readily say he's like my wife dresses me he's like i right like he doesn't he, like he doesn't have a sense of style i realized right he, he doesn't like you know, he's watched me dress but he's like man you look really good so i like that you're dressing better be yeah, like he, he could like he it's funny because he'll tell me that but i realized he, he couldn't mimic it that he can recognize it. Exactly. Exactly. And what's hard is that the more that that happens, and that happens especially with older gentlemen, a lot of the clients that I work with who are, you know, uh, 50 plus, that's the attitude that they come from is, well, you know, I've been financially successful and my wife has dressed me for the last decade. And there's a lot of dissonance that even comes with that, especially when you get wives to conflate their own values as far as they want to look younger, they want to look trendier, they want to look more like they're in fashion. And for men, those kind of things are actually a liability. What we want to do is look more authoritative, look more accomplished and look more like we've actually, you know, we have some self-respect and we deserve the respect of other people. And so you get, I mean, we've all seen people like this, the dude that's 60 and he's dressing like he's 20. And usually sadly it's because he's being dressed by his wife who, despite all of her good intentions is just confusing her aesthetic goals with his aesthetic goals. Right. But even then you get somebody like your dad you know, my dad's kind of the same way where I, you know, obviously I love my father. I have a lot of respect for him. And thankfully my mom is very much, and especially because, you know, I've worked with her and my dad on this for a decade, but she has a much better understanding of when she's going out and buying stuff for him. Like this is what he should be trying to communicate. And this is what's going to look good. And this is, you know, he doesn't look like he's trapped in 1999, but he also doesn't look like he thinks he's the next Hollister model or something like that. <laughs> but it's the same thing where my dad doesn't, he hasn't really developed the skill set. Because that's the problem with outsourcing this. There are a lot of things in life you can outsource. And a lot of people think that that style is one of those where it's like, I'll go to Nordstrom and have a shopper pick clothes for me. Or I will do one of the many like subscription boxes and have the, the girls who have their fashion degree tell me what I should be wearing and what will make me handsome. But just like fitness, just like speaking, it's a skill set that you actually have to develop in order to get the most out of it. Right. And so if you don't actually learn how to do this yourself, if you don't actually learn what the principles are and how to execute on those principles, then yes, you may look more handsome, but you'll never really be able to command that same amount of respect from yourself or from other people as the man who's truly well-dressed because he does it on his own instead of hiring a stylist or asking his wife to do it for him instead. That's a good point. Like I've, I've realized that because certain outfits that like get mentioned very often is like, I mean, you've mentioned stuff where it's like something like, like the Henley t-shirt. Mm-hmm jeans that fit and like 
not wearing athletic shoes, like wearing this any other kind of shoe, like white right. sneakers, for example. It's almost sort of like the five three one of workouts, or like you know, mm-hmm. it's like the five three one of like fashion. It's like, look, most guys are probably going to look reasonably good in a Henley that fits, in jeans that fit, and white sneakers. That's it. Super like, easy. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy, and like it's a good start point. But like ultimately, you're going to have to customize to some level. Maybe not that specific outfit. Right. That you're going to have to customize just beyond wearing like the same thing. Because that's, yeah, that's another male DeFi really is like the guys were into like the, the predilection for just wanting to sort of repeat the same look over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Not in the idea that you have to have a different style every day. No. But even if something it's like, hey, guess what? Like this is like the Mark Zuckerberg thing where it's like my whole closet's the same t-shirt 10,000 times or, or Steve Jobs or like he wore the white uh, turtleneck every right. day. Every like, day. Steve Jobs is Steve Jobs. That guy exactly. is that, that icon level social status and people expect him to look a certain way. Right. He, he has the, he has the social capital that he can spend on those kind of things. You probably don't. Yeah. I mean, the other fact, like, why would you, like, why would you want to though? Like, exactly. I mean, I've, I've seen guys that do that where it's like, all right, like let's, cause I've had friends where I've tried to help them like you, let's like dress you a little bit better. And they just want to like buy the same t-shirt five times. I'm like, you could buy two t-shirts. It doesn't have to be the <laughs> Right. Maybe like, it's the same one and just you got a white and a navy instead of they're all the same white one or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I realize, well, this is a, this is a, I mean, to get the, the thrust of what I was getting to, but like, this is like colors, like having to like pick colors that freaks dudes out. Yeah. That's like a big male fear that you're going to like, if once you get into fashion, it's like our style. All right. I'm going to style myself better. Oh man. Is this a bad color? Right. Which is kind of funny because it's almost like, Maybe a good fitness comparison is, is I'm not going to start working out because I have no idea what supplements I should buy, where it's really not as important as you think it is. In fact, my experience after having been in the industry, especially working for a custom suit company and, and doing like the whole European style tour and everything, is that the beginners will focus on, we've already talked about formality, but beginners will focus on color and pattern in addition to that. They think, I want to dress better, so I'm going to wear brighter or bolder colors, or I'm going to wear different patterns. And what the experts really focus on is usually that stuff is fairly minimal and it's going to be things like the fit or the texture or the weave or the quality or all these other things that are a little bit more subtle to it. Because I mean, I know my own personal wardrobe, I wear blues, browns, whites, grays, and then the only real color that I have in my wardrobe is like olive green. You know, I have one or two shirts that are, that are a little bit brighter, but color does not have to be part of being well-dressed at all. Just like you don't have to be on 16 different supplements in order to be able to get in good shape. You don't. For somebody who wants it and they want to kind of take things to the next level, great. Figure out how to blend four patterns and awesome rock and roll. Have all the guys on, you know, male fashion advice and Reddit tell you how awesome you are. But that, that's not what most guys need when it comes to just dressing like you care about yourself. No, well, you know, it's funny, like, I'm looking over at, like, my wardrobe right now, like, I got, like, my shelves, it's basically, Mm -hmm. like, once I figure out, like, a color palette, it's, like, it's basically, like, dark purple, blue, dark purple, blue, olive green, and, like, black, like, that's, there you go, yeah, it's a rotation of those four, yep, um, yeah, I mean, speaking to color, though, like, what's the, what's the easiest way for a guy to figure out, like, what colors are good, not good for him, because a lot of this is, I get asked this a lot, Mm -hmm. like, this, I'll get, like, because people will notice, like, the periscopes, um, Instagram videos like, oh, I really like that shirt. Like your colors always look good on your skin. Like how do you know what colors to wear? Cool. Very common question. Easiest way to do that is you look at the, uh, the veins on the inside of your wrist. Um, if you, uh, if they're more of a blue, like a, a pure blue, then that means you have a cool undertone. And so you're better off wearing colors that are blue based 
And if they're more of a green, that means you have a warm undertone and you're better off wearing colors that are gold-based. Uh, if you want to really see like an awfully awesome book about that, just go on to Amazon and look for a book called Color for Men. It's awful because it's from like the 80s. And so the pictures are really bad as far as like the mustaches and the hair and all that stuff. But the information is fantastic. Or if you also want to work on your game a little bit while you're doing it, go into like a Sephora or a Mac or something at the mall and go ask one of the makeup chicks and just say, hey, you know, I'm not really interested in makeup, but I'm trying to improve my style. Can you tell me if I've got a warm or a cool complexion? And then they'll be able to tell you right then and there. And you can use that and, and go from there. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I remember that was in the book, and that was—I mean, it was such a funny thing. It's like I want to say it was a hack uh -huh. because I always worry about color. Because like, intuitively, we kind of recognize like, like if I wear yellow, and you're like, dude, that's not a good color on you, right? Like we yep. kind of know, but like, yeah, I remember reading that. I just looked at my arm, like, all right, like my 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 veins are actually more like greenish. Yeah, like I'm a little bit all like more than all of so I'm like, oh, like that—that's why green looks good. Okay, right, and that's yeah. why like a gold would look good on you, whereas a canary yellow would not be great on you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's one of those things that one of the biggest advantages to that, because again, guys are probably listening to this going like, oh, what do you mean gold versus canary? Like it's yellow. Like what, what? But the big reason to even care about that is one, it's going to make you look healthier. And so there's benefits to that. But really from like that masculine utility perspective is if you understand what colors you should wear, what patterns you should wear or avoid or stuff like that, it just eliminates a lot of decision fatigue. I can go into the store and avoid you know, 70% of the things that are on there, because I know based on what my funnel is, as far as this works and this doesn't work, that I don't have to pay attention to the majority of it. And so I don't mentally have to expend any energy worrying about whether or not those items are a good decision for me. I can focus on the things that actually are. And then I'm only debating between two or three things instead of 20 or 30. And so it makes the whole buying experience, whether that's in the store or when you're putting something on and you're trying to pick what's in your closet, it makes it infinitely easier the more you can eliminate the things that you know are going to be bad for you. That does. It's funny now because most of my wardrobe, like the way it matches up, I don't really have to think about what is put. I don't have to think about what's being put together unless it's like, all right, like, you know, in some cases, like, all right, these are black jeans. So, like, I'm not going to wear like a, like, you know, like if I, if I wear, wear black jeans, I'll, okay, I'm going to wear like a not black shoe. So the whole outfit's right. not black, for example. Yep. It's a little too, too like, kind of severe looking. Right. You know, but that's I'm, really about it, right? Yeah. yeah it's like, all right, I well, these are my jeans, number 33, and based on my chart here, I got to wear a shirt 45, and she, like, it's not that bad. It's really not that difficult. No, yeah. I, I think, I realize some guys have that fear. Where it's like, well, this is good. Yeah, it's like the female fear. Like, I want to obsess with my clothes that much. I'm like, it's, it's kind of like training. Like, once you know what the basic movements are, right? there's about 10 compound movements you're always going to do. It's just putting it together. Like, there's yep. not so many variables as you think to keep track of. Yeah. You don't have to be a master at every machine in the gym and you don't have to have every color or every pattern on, in your, in your closet either. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of textures, you mentioned that like a little while ago. Now that one was interesting to me because I realized part of what we see with like luxury status or people who are really well dressed, dressed, it's not, it's not the color. So it's, it's not the color. It's not the, you know, the clothing, like, oh, they're in a shirt. It's the texture of the fabric. It's mm -hmm. like, it's just, it's an, it's a very like fine, but very significant detail. Right. And so what, like one of the companies are really like now it's called rag and bone. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Their stuff's great yeah, because so they, they have so much texture in their stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, I, like I have a black polo and I have a blue pole from them and the blue pole is like, a, like this darker navy blue black pole is black polo. Mm -hmm. I've been complimented on both those shirts multiple, 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 multiple times. Now, Fundamentally, it's just a blue polo and a black polo. Yep. 
But when I, I've been in videos, I've been out in public, people be like, that's a really nice shirt. Like, what is it? It's the texture. It, one, it fits, like it fits well, yeah, but it's the texture of the shirt. Right. And what's so fun is people don't, people don't get that. They, they will, they can't quantify it because they'll be able to, I don't know what it is, but that shirt looks so good on you. And in their heads, they'll just think, why? It's a blue polo, but it is, it's the texture to it. And I mean, to pay attention to like, you know, if you guys have like a custom suit store or something in your town, go and see if you can find uh, like a, a Navy linen and a Navy cotton and a Navy cashmere and a Navy tweed and a Navy worsted wool. And they're all going to be the same color, but feel the difference in those claws or like look all those up on Pinterest or on Instagram or something else and start to train yourself to see what the differences are because those make way more difference than, well, I've got my green suit and my purple suit and my yellow suit or my silver polo and my bright red polo or anything else. It's textures. My personal bias is that texture is king. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to bring it back to you know, for some of the guys who are younger, like, you know, things that girls notice. I realize like when, when you like part of noticing texture as a man, if you actually notice texture and like you have that awareness of your dress, like what the texture of your clothing is, that's like a like you're, yeah. How should I say this? You're a guy that gets it. Yes. Because you pay attention. Right. Like I, I, I try to make this impression a lot of the younger guys are like you know women like when they like, what do women really go for? They like men that are observant. Mm-hmm. Because if you're observant, and you pay attention, then they don't have to explain things to you. Right. Like to be right. very remedial. So if you get te- like I. I was trying to figure this out for months because after I started dressing better, the female attention I got increased significantly. I'm like, I'm in the exact same like level of fitness shape. It's not, I didn't put on 15 pounds of muscle. My hair is still the same. Mm-hmm. I have the same tail. Like what, what is it exactly? And I realized it wasn't just like, it can't just be just the clothing. Like the clothes are like, it can't be just the clothing. Right. But, like I'd have that reaction because I, yeah, I started asking them like, oh, like, you know, like something like jeans. Like, oh, I love those jeans. I'm like, oh, what do you like about them? Oh, that the, the fabric looks so good. Mm-hmm. Then they, like, that was just and then it gives them an excuse to touch them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like this yep. flicker of like, it, because they wouldn't say like the color per se, it'd be like the fabric, the texture, like specifically they'd say like, I love the texture mm-hmm. of that. You know, like, it looks really good. And they rise. I'm like, like, okay, there's this underlying dynamic of like, wow, you're a guy that knows these things. You must pay attention to this. You see this. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's nice is that, if you think about, and I mean, really, like I would encourage you guys to go shopping with a woman who really knows her stuff or a man who knows his stuff and pay attention to how often they have, like, I have to touch everything before I decide whether or not I'm going to buy it because you just get, you get a whole different feel for something based on actually the texture and the way it's woven and the materials that are used. And that's one of the things that's so funny to me when guys talk about kind of, well, my main priority is, is it comfortable? And it's like, you don't understand. Like a linen suit is going to be way more comfortable than a pair of shorts and a polo that are made from a hundred percent polyester because the materials that are used and the way they breathe and the way they feel on your skin is infinitely better when you, when you make the right decisions. It's not just about this is formal or this is that color or anything else. And so being able to get into that realm of texture and material, not only demonstrates that you pay attention, that you understand, not only does it make it easier for you to be able to like, Oh, let me feel your sleeve there. What is this shirt made out of? And all of a sudden, Oh, like you've broken the Kino barrier or whatever pickup term you might <laughs> You know, you've got that benefit, but then you've also got, you actually feel more comfortable in your clothing, right? And so you mm-hmm. just get to, again, check off all these little things on your checkbox that makes it worth your while to pay attention to this stuff. So, uh, so I'm going to ask you a question that has nothing to do with fashion. So I've heard this term and like, I mean, I know you and I have talked a lot before. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I was not, I've not, I've never been a, a red pill guy. And like I, I discovered the manosphere like very accidentally through Twitter. Uh-huh. Like, I've not read it like game. I've never read 
most of the stuff that guys talk about are the, they're the like the great books we're supposed to read. I've never read any of the stuff. What the hell is Kino? Because I've heard so, that, I've heard this term before thrown around. Like what? I don't know. From my understanding, and again, like I'm, you know, I've been married for the last like eight years. You know, I'm not like a pickup artist or anything, especially based on like my religious convictions and things like that. But it's basically like physical touch. You know, and so if you can break that barrier of like physical touch, oh, okay. then there's then there's something there. Yeah. Gotcha. Now I'm sure that there's some like nerdy PUA guys you can be like, this Tanner guy's an idiot. He has no idea what he's talking about. That's fine. Cool. I may have used a term I don't fully understand, but from my from my experience with it over the last few years, it's it's just this idea of like physical touch and that kind okay, of gotcha. relation. Yeah, I, I, I'll have guys ask me these questions like, what's the best game book you've read? I'm like, I've never read any of this stuff, guys. I don't yeah. know. Like I could refer you to some stuff that I think right. is, I've never read any of it. Yeah. I okay. mean, okay. Kino, kinesiology. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm very similar to that too, where I uh, like, I've read a bunch of Rolo's blogs and I've read a bunch of like Hartice stuff and I, but I've never read the game. You know, I've never been a pickup artist. I've never done online dating. I've never had to like venue change in order to, you know, consciously think about all that kind of stuff in order to like, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask when it comes for me, masculinity, the way that we interact with women is a portion of masculinity. And I think for a lot of guys, unfortunately, that is the end all be all of what it is to be a man. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, I've made that point myself since like when I, I mean, I come from a dance background, so like I was around women a lot when I was younger as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, yeah, I mean, I we said this to each other. Like, at past a certain point of like maturity-wise, like, like the the obsession with like the obsession with female tension slash sex. That's like when like you're 15. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that like when you're 15, yeah. or you're making making money off of it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 what's that? I get. <laughs> I mean, if you're profiting from it, by all means, right? Uh, but like that. Like that, it's just, there's a certain level of insecurity to it. Like it reminds me of middle school of like the guys who are like, man, that guy gets a lot of attention from girls. Mm-hmm. And I don't get attention, <laughs> but I want attention. Yes. I don't like, get you it. should grow out of that at but some I, point I, in your life, right? Yeah. Like there's, there is more to life. There's right. Life. Yeah. <laughs> cool, dude. So about it. Like, we talked for an hour or so. We covered a lot, actually. Yeah. There, there's one thing I, as I backtracked my mind. I was going to say something on the comfort aspect of clothing oh, uh-huh. with like with texture fabric. Like that's another stereotype. As just, it just like came to me. There's this assumption I raised with a lot of guys too, is that if you dress better slash more stylish slash more fashionable, somehow that's less comfortable. Like it's this weird thing. And I've heard it and like, it makes sense now kind of thinking about it because I've heard that as a criticism. Criticism is like, I don't want to dressing better. If I'm going to like try and dress fancy. Well, that's not, it's not comfortable to dress that way. Right. One, I think that that's an erroneous assumption. That's been my experience with it. You know, up until I started working for myself two years ago, um, I can say that for the 10 years prior to that, I was in a suit and a tie like five out of seven days a week and never felt physically more or less comfortable, especially after I started like wearing good suits. And so one, that's erroneous. And two, I would love it. I, nobody, I still have yet to have anybody find this for me, but I would love to find any other culture to which the, the highest aspiration of masculinity is that man is the most comfortable. Therefore he is the most masculine out of all of us. <laughs> Can you imagine like a King who's going through a coronation and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. This, this crown just, it's not, it's not very comfortable. I just, I can't do this. I just, will you give me her crown and say, like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't mean you have to intentionally subject yourself to discomfort all the time, but that's never been a measurement for men. Uh, it's, it's too uncomfortable. I can't do that. Like, I don't get that. 
That, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Yeah, it, I remember when I was at the Met in New York, and like they say, they have like a sword room, knight's armor, like all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it's awesome. But like, you know, so samurai guys, always, like, there's always a Western sort of like fetishization with like the samurai, samurai culture, Zen, all all that stuff. Right. Have you ever actually like looked at an actual like samurai suit of armor outfit? It's it, intense. It's disgustingly, ridiculously ornate. It's made out of silk right. red and armor plating. Everything's hand woven together. Yep. Like to put that together it must take probably hundreds of hours. Yeah, but real men don't care how they look. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I say, I think I tagged you on Twitter maybe when I was there. I was just like I was looking at. I'm like, this is insane to look at. Mm-hmm. Like it's and beautiful. And there's a whole process to even putting it on. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole ceremony and ritualization of like, okay, you don't just like stick it on your shoulders. You start from you know your undergarments to what like you layer it with. Do you like finally putting on the helmet? Like yep. there's a whole there again, like there's this whole system to it. Well, and think of what that does for them mentally and spiritually and emotionally as they're putting that on and they're becoming this version of themselves. And again, that's why it's so funny that the two big arguments are, you know, well, you're a real man, you shouldn't care, or it, it, basically if the girls like it, then it's acceptable because the last thing that dude is thinking about when he puts this on is, am I going to get laid tonight with this thing? Like that's, that's <laughs> not the purpose for putting that on and going through the whole ritual and the everything else that comes with it. There is so much meaning for that warrior as he puts that on. And the fact that we write that all off and think that it's stupid. I do. I think that I agree with you that it's, it's another symptom of a postmodern society that tries to rid all meaning of everything so that we're all just miserable together. <laughs> well, I, 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 there's also that fear too for some guys. I mean, I know we've mentioned it like a lot from the communal context, but for guys who like get into maybe like they approach fashion from like the peacocking, like PUA mm-hmm. side of things where like, I mean, I, I actually did read the game last year. Okay. It's just like for this, because like people kept asking about it, which is actually, it's not what I was expecting. It's basically, so Neil Strauss is basically like a gentle dork. Mm-hmm. Peak until like his mid forties, learned pickup from like other gentle dorks turned PUA guys, and they were all like gentle dorks PUA guys together, <laughs> who were all incredibly dysfunctional in their ability to have human relationships, right? And like end up like very sad, lonely people. Like it was not. I mean, yeah, sounds like I mean, a great manual. Yeah, I mean, in the process, <laughs> like yeah, like they got girls, but like it was like it was almost like a like a like what, what's the term I'm looking for? Like a warning sort of tale. I'm like yeah, I don't think anyone was happy at the end of this. Um, yeah. But, like, I mean, I've seen that attitude, too, where, like, you got men I identify fashion. It's like, well, what, like, female tension. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's done in the context of female tension. Like, like they haven't broken out of that mindset at all. I don't uh, Yeah. I mean, again, I think that that comes from a scarcity mindset of the idea that uh, women need to approve of me in order for me to like myself. Yeah. And, and, and it's either one woman or all the women. But too many men are that way where it's I need female approval in order to be confident in who I am and to feel like I like myself. And no, that doesn't mean that you should go your whole life and not care what women think at all. Being in, being in a relationship or having multiple relationships, there's a lot of val- validation and a ton of value that comes from something like that. But if your value only comes from the fact that women, they're like, they bestow it on you. We've deemed you worthy. Sorry, but then that doesn't work. <laughs> I, I, I think about that now, like reading the book, like the peacock, and since like, you crack up reading it, but there's this character who's the mystery guy. Like mm-hmm. he said, like at like sort of at the peak QA craze in Hollywood, he was like in like combat boots that made him like he was already a tall guy. Mm-hmm. So he's in like in unlaced combat boots. He's got like on zebra pants. He's gotten like he's wearing like a robe slash cape. He's got 
like, like he's got goggles on, like he's going out like that because he's just looking for, because, because everybody started doing sort of like the, like the peacocky thing, uh-huh. like that accessory to thing of like, oh, that's a cool whatever. Right. Like, he's taking it to this level where I could describe his outfit going out where like he had to like up it so much so people would still just look at him for attention. Exactly. And like, I mean, it's almost, I mean, you could, the guy was like mentally, like mentally, um, you know, like emotionally, like pretty broken, I realized. Uh-huh. Like, he just, he wanted attention so bad. Yep. So like, yeah, it's like, all right, well, like the, the outfit before was I'm working with the top hat. Now I need to add on like the cape with like the sequins. Like, right. Like literally, like to that level. Right. And again, within that context of those specific clubs, within that tribe of those specific people, with him and his personality, as aesthetically awful as something like that is, it works. But you put him in, again, the gym or at a church on Easter Sunday or something else, and all of a sudden, all of the effectiveness of that outfit goes out the window. Well, then that goes back to what we talked about earlier, where like, as a man, you have to have an awareness of the different environments that you exist in and then dress yep. appropriately. Absolutely, yeah. So. Thankfully, I don't exist in any environment where I have to look like mystery, because I don't know if I could have any self-respect at that point. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, yeah, it's funny now. He's like, I remember when I was in the fitness industry, and like, there's a certain like, there's like a style, non-style that goes. With it. You, you see it at industry conferences. So you see guys with like, all right, should I dress like to show off that I'm muscular? Uh huh. But then, what well, there's like a bigger bro who's more muscular. It's like, exactly. all right, well, maybe I should try and dress more professional. But then you end up looking like the football coach, which is like the Under Armour shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I made that mistake. I, mean, I made that mistake. I made that mistake. Uh, like, I remember like like a few summers ago, I was like, I'm gonna start dressing better. And so I'm trying to like default to something. This is before I read your book. I'm like, like polo shirts, that's, that's dressing better, right? So I, I go out and got a whole bunch of Under Armour polos with like uh-huh. shorts. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I wore it for maybe like a month. I'm like, I look like I'm going to go coach like yep. basketball team. Yep. <laughs> ridiculous looking. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, another one of my clients, Greg O'Gallagher, who runs Kino Body. Um, I'm sure anybody who's subscribed to any sort of YouTube channel has seen his ads and stuff like that. Greg's a great buddy. We've worked together for about five years and we just finished designing a clothing line. And it was very much with this idea of how do you take guys who are in the gym, but not make them look like they spend all their time in the gym or look like they are trying to be professional like, yeah, I, I love, I wish that I had thought about that, but the idea of being like a high school football coach, because that is a problem for guys within the fitness industry. And so what he and I had done is, you know, working together with him over the years, he has very much more of a natural, like a street style. And so we did that and created a clothing line. And that's been a really fun challenge. And, you know, even what you and I have worked on together, you don't look like a typical gym bro at all. That was the goal was to get out of that, but to not look like the typical gym bro who's also trying to dress up because that is now that other stereotype, but to add another layer and another dimension of you've got more going on for you than just your, your physique. Oh, you know, this, so to make you laugh, remember you suggested this months and months ago, you were asking about like what I wear to the gym and I was uh-huh. like, like super baggy outfit. I finally got like the fitted sweatpants. Nice. Okay, you know what's hysterical though? Like, I this is I can't believe I'm saying this. I got them like for like, because I was using them in ballet also. Uh huh. I tried to pair on. I'm like, these are really comfortable. <laughs> and, okay, I mean, so, okay. Two things. One, they're actually they're more comfortable than the shitty baggy sweats I was wearing. Yep. Which is just like, all right, that's this. Oh man, that's dumb. <laughs> the other factor though is that they actually keep because they're a little more fitted. They keep your joints warm better. Oh, nice. So they're actually like they're functionally better yeah, too. Functionally better to work out in than the baggy sweatpants. That's awesome. So I was like, that was, I know, right? Like, so I, 
I, I realized I learned that recently. It's like a month ago. So I, I was meant to tell you, but like I went out and I was like, I, I just randomly tried to pair. And I'm like, oh, wow. They actually feel better to move in too. I love it. That's the best looked, testimonial I could get. I know. I looked at my daddy's sweats. I was like, why, why have, like, Reese, I remember you asked me that. It was like, and I was like, no, Tanner, I'm never going to wear this. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, he was right. <laughs> yep. Yep. You've wasted years in those things. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, well, and especially because they're also going to be easier for you to find because baggy pants have been out for so long that you'd have to like go out of your way to find where to buy those. Whereas something that's slimmer is going to be a lot well, easier. That was, my problem. That was my problem. Exactly, right? That's my problem prior. Is I literally would have to like, I'd have to like go to like five different Macy's to find like, yes, the one Macy's. That has the <laughs> I found them. Yeah, you know, then now I'm just like, what? Like, I, I, I probably spent literally like hundreds of dollars in gas and just hours of time. Yep. Trying to go find baggy sweats so I could make sure I didn't care what I looked like in the gym. Beautiful. With clothing. Beautiful, and, right? With, like, with non-utilitarian sweats. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That is man's relationship with clothing in 2019, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> All right, I, I'd say end it there. I thought this is gonna yep. wrap up. So, where can people find you? Contact info, all that jazz, man. So the main site is masculine-style.com. You can go and check me out there. There's also an opportunity for you guys to uh, go take a free quiz that will tell you which of the archetypes is your main archetype. Mm -hmm. um, so go take that. Know which, which one of those is your archetypes, and then very similar to Alexander, this is one of the reasons why you and I get along so well is we take very much a custom a customization approach to our areas of expertise and I do uh, I do daily emails as well to get yeah. to get information out for you guys so go take the quiz get on the list it'll get you taken care of that way um, main social media platform is Twitter so it's at Tanner Guzzi you can go find me there um, same thing with Instagram and then I'm not super active on YouTube anymore but I have a ton of videos that are really helpful on there so you can go look up Tanner Guzzi on YouTube to learn a lot of stuff there as well so yeah awesome brother all right, everybody, go follow Tanner, read his stuff. Cortez, Ajax, Alexander, I, I highly, highly, highly endorse him. Seriously, you guys. Um, and, yeah, I'll see you, brother, at the 21 Patriot, Patriarch. Yeah, Connor, dude. Whatever. Two weeks. We're going to hang yeah, like, out. It's going to be right? awesome. Like, yeah. yeah, so we'll have a lot of good photos of us in our great outfits. I love it. Okay, dude, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. No problem.